Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 301 of the DC Comics Podcast brought to you by Weird Science. I said it wrong. I did, but we're going to go with that, right? The DC Comics Podcast brought to you by Weird Science as I'm talking to you down in Black Mold Studios, home of the Get Fresh crew. Beep boop. Let me tell you where you can find us all around the internet. You can go over to the Twitters. And we are there at Weird Science DC. We have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where you can read all of the reviews of all the books that we review each and every Tuesday. Now, it still feels weird to say that. We have a YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where you can go and watch some video reviews and news by me, myself, and I. And we also have a Patreon account if you want to help support all the things we do, including the stuff here on the DC feed, over at the Marvel feed, and the videos, all that sort of thing. And if you do that, you will get a lot of shows in return. It isn't just blind love. It's kind of like squinting love. I don't really need you to see me in my full glory. And uh, there will be a no love. But one of the things that me and Eric always do is a Patreon only spotlight, an exclusive show, two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, beep boop, and they end up picking the two books that we do. And this week they picked some some big ones. I mean, they ended up picking Dark Knight's Death Metal number two and Strange Adventures number three. So if you want to listen to those reviews, you can end up going over to the Patreon and sign up there. Listen to that amongst a ton of other shows. We have a ton of DC and Marvel shows. I also have a manga show. I also have a cartoon show. We have a ton of things that we do. And to tell you there's some bang for your buck, that two-book Patreon spotlight was about an hour and 20 minutes long. So these are things that we do put some effort into. We don't just fake the funk because we'd never do that, right? We would never, ever do and that. boom goes the dynamite. That is true. But we're going to go off, and today I'm going to be talking about two books. They're two digital books, uh, and I liked both of them. I liked one a little more, but I'm going to be talking about Deceased Hope at World's End Chapter 5 and Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Number 11. All right, and I'm starting with Deceased Hope at World's End, Chapter 5, written by Tom Taylor, art by Marco Faelia, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Seda Temafonte. And I've actually been enjoying this Deceased Hope at World's End even a little more than I like the start of the Dead Planet book, the Deceased Dead Planet that just came out. Now, if you have been listening to all the podcasts that we do, and you've heard me talk about this book or any of the other deceased. When the first deceased series came out, I was not as on board with it as most people. I'm a huge Tom Taylor fan. I thought that the deceased, the first six issue mini, I thought that that was more of just the killings. It was more of that than the idea of what I think Tom Taylor does best is make you fall in love with characters you usually don't then he kills them but first you you get the love and he usually does it through humor and i thought that he did that more in the three issues unkillables book than he actually did in the first six issues of deceased setting up the whole universe setting up all that i understand why it would have happened that way but i actually enjoyed unkillables more than the actual first deceased now we end up having dead planet come out 
and this at the same time. And I've really enjoyed this hope at World's End. I am a digital first, digital only, whatever you want to call it. I'm a huge fan of the digital books. I love, I, I know that some people, oh, I need to have it in my hands. I'm not talking about a normal print book in digital. I'm talking about these digital first. I really enjoy the way, if they're done well, how they're done. And we were talking about it in the Slack, and that's just an aside. If you end up on the Patreon, you go into the Slack with all the GFC, get fresh, cool, beep, boop, and you end up being able to talk to people. And I was talking to a couple people. And we were talking, you know, kind of about why I would like the digital more. And this all came about because I was telling people that I love this chapter. There's a spoiler for you. But I said one of the things that I like about it is you have a limited amount of real estate here to tell a story. And I think that the writers who do it well realize there's no time to, you know, beep around. You got to get to it. Also, something that I heard way back when, when, you ended up having Kyle Higgins on the Fat Man on Batman podcast. He was doing the Batman Beyond 2.0 book at that moment. And I love I love that book. That was great. And he mentioned something that it stuck with me since. And this is years ago, but it has stuck with me. And I think that it is true where you end up if you do this right and you end up playing up the medium as it can be where you think, OK, people will be on a tablet. You're only getting one page every page turn. You can end up having a mini cliffhanger. You could have cliffhanger, cliffhanger, because there's no peeking at that other second page as you open up things. And if you play that right, it does give you just a really, really like breakneck speed of pacing and and things that you can play around with that you normally can't. And I love that. And Tom Taylor knows how to work the real estate. He might be the best at doing this. His Injustice book did it constantly and that's why i often say it's not just the killing that tom taylor did especially in the injustice there you did but it was other shocking moments there was also a lot of humor and a lot of things that he is pretty much this is like i know that it's a weird thing to say like i wish that he only did digital and digital first stuff like this but he's he's just so good at it he really really is And so when you have this hope at world's end, I think that this is more along the lines of unkillables than it is of the first deceased. You're you're using this to kind of bridge the gap between the unkillables and dead planet and even the end of deceased and dead planet. We're seeing things that happen after the fact um, that happened before dead planet. But still, you end up where there's a sense of humor to it. There are killings, but there's also the hope and just having it at hope at world's end. It really has been. You got a really good Wally West story earlier where, okay, let's put the killing aside. For the most part, you're still going to get nonsense. You know, you're still going to get stuff, but let's see some other things, other characters. I'm really enjoying it. And this issue, seeing what will become the Trinity very soon on the regular Earth, too, when they go off from Earth, where you have John, Cassie, and Damien. It's cool to see them. It's cool to see them form together. It's cool to see them become a team. We already have Damien, who's accepted the Cape and Cow last issue, where he said he didn't want to at first because that is the full admission that his father isn't coming back, that his father's dead. And so to take that, and I understand fully what he means, and but he he had to. He ended up taking it. It was a very sad moment for him. But and just if you're a Damien fan, 
you know that Damien thinks that it's his birthright to become Batman. So then to see him shy away from that, to see him not want to accept it for a different reason was really good. And you're going to get a really good feels moment in this issue that I'm I'm not too proud to beg. And I'm not going to lie. I cried. I actually cried. And, and if I'm going to cry when I'm reading something, especially a digital first, I got to give it a good score. I mean, if, if it's going to do that, I mean, I, I don't have any feelings whatsoever. I mean, I'm like a path of light. You know, I won't even get into that. You know, I'll tell you. It's true. The Fortress of Solitude is where we open up, people. And it is where John shows up. Cassie's there waiting for him. And John explains that he has been out with his father, who still is regular. He hasn't been infected. He's not in the sun at this moment. And they have gone and shut down the internet. And he says, I kind of miss the internet, but not, you know, the the thing of it turning everybody into crazy agents of death. And Cassie says, Damien stole the invisible jet. And this is where I'm talking about these page turns. Because if you are reading this and you're reading it on a tablet or a phone, whatever you're doing, and you turn that page at this point where you just, oh, hey, uh, Damien stole the invisible jet. And then the next page... <laughs> It's John yelling at Damien. Hey, you know, the problem with stealing the invisible jet is your visibleness. And Cassie's yelling, take it down, Damien. Damien with a he's not smiling. He's completely serious flying the invisible jet. It's just him in the air holding on. to. It's just Damien flying through the air, sitting down on nothing, flying nothing because it's it's one of the funniest panels and, and one of the funniest page turns I've ever had. I thought it was hilarious. It made me laugh so much that I actually made a screenshot and put it up on Twitter saying this is one of my favorite panels I've seen in so long. <laughs> Just because David is so serious there and he's he's flying the invisible jet. Well, he does bring it down and you end up where... You know, John says, so the first thing you did as Batman is Grand Theft Arrow. You know, you get in the humor there. And he's, I have to go get my mother. She's in Gotham. And the whole idea of this is, well, she's probably dead. Everybody in Gotham, it's trouble. Now, Cassie doesn't know who Damien's mother is. That it's Talia, you can kind of figure that she might be alive. I mean, even with. Not having anywhere to go, she can hold her own. She's pretty tough. But Damien, because his father's dead, he does want to go and check to see if his mother is alive still. And the reason why he thinks she's in Gotham still is because her and Batman had been tracking her. She was heading with the League of Assassins to go and kill the mayor of Gotham. And then all this hit. So he thinks that maybe she got to Gotham. She got stuck. He has an idea where she might be. And so they do go off. And where she might be is at the bank, the Gotham Bank, because, you know, surprise, surprise, Rachel Ghoul owns the bank. And there is a safe room, a panic room in the bank under the vault. And Damien thinks that, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think that he just has to check to make sure. He has to see if possibly his mom is alive. Now, when the three of them get into Gotham and and Damien's still funny, he's he's still flying the invisible jet, which which is not going to be so invisible now because an infected kite man ends up just crashing into it. 
the infected kite man tries to attack Damien, doesn't realize it seems that he's in an invisible jet, face plants, gets killed, spreads blood all over the side as he hits the front and then spreads the blood down the side of it. So through the rest of the time that we see any bit of the invisible jet, it's got a blood streak on it from kite man. Now, they end up hitting kite man like, oh, my God, kite man and the three of them end up laughing they're laughing at poor kite man hell no he says he there end up laughing because he's dead now he was infected but it is a funny moment it really is and so i, I just like the blood smeared invisible jet now but they do go to the gotham bank and that's where you end up having damien even explain to cassie you know about the whole deal my mom's Talia al Ghul, the daughter of Raish, the demon's head, leader of the League of Assassins. It's a thing. And I love the thing throughout this is John, it, this is and this is what I think was the issue that Tom Taylor went on Twitter and said that it was going to be a Super Sons type deal because his kids liked Super Sons. And it really is a good Super Sons deal. If you love Super Sons and even if you haven't been reading any of the deceased and you just, I would say, pick this up because you do get that feel and you do get the idea, boy, I wish Super Sons was still around and maybe Tom Taylor could have even written it. Maybe we'll get a digital first something of it. With it. It'd be great with Tom Taylor uh, because he gets the, the right deal with this that Damien, you know, he does have that crazy background, but John is there to tell Cassie it's a sore subject. Don't make a big deal of it. You know, just it's fine. It's Damien. If you like Damien, he's still Damien. This just adds that wrinkle. Now, a lot of people don't like Damien. I I know this because I love him. I he's my second favorite Robin. My first being Dick Grayson. And if Dick Grayson isn't your first, you're nonsense. But I love Dick Grayson. Then I love Damien. I love Damien because it like I I mean it goes. I like Guy Gardner as well. It's because these characters with the chip on their shoulder, the characters that are usually mean and upset and and it's always because there is something behind that, making them do it. And some of the best moments in comics is seeing that break down a bit, seeing them, you know, go piss. And you do see some of that in this issue with Damien. And that's why I do love him, especially when he's written by somebody who cares about him and wants to, you know, show you how great he is. Not exactly like a Brian Michael Bendis, but you end up with this where they go into the vault and you have a Damien who's just pure Damien where Cassie says, okay, they open up. There's tons of infected in this, you know, in this uh, bank. I couldn't think of the thing in this bank. It is. And, she says, okay, you know, there's John, Superboy. You know, look at me. I wonder, girl. I, I, we can do this. You're just a little kid. Oh, there he goes. Damien just goes in. He's throwing bombs and batarangs. And you end up having Cassie like, yeah, he's, he's a really take it. Actually, I'll say he's kind of infuriatingly living up to that costume, isn't he? Is what she says. And John, again, with kind of a smile on his face, like he, he really is. Let's go. And it's so good. And the three of them attack. And again, if you're going to go into this, getting something out of it, going into Dead Planet, you're seeing them as the, you know, the future trinity of this book, of this universe, 
come together, come together as a team. And, and that is cool. And you end up having them beat up and, and kill these infected to go where Damien says there is a safe house underneath the vault. John's looking for it. I don't see anything with my x-ray. He's like, if you could see it, it wouldn't be a safe house. Come on. Well, Cassie just rips it open and Talia's in there. Talia is there. She survived. And Talia, again, another badass character where John comes in. Like he's this big guy. We're here to rescue you. It's like a Luke Skywalker deal. And Talia's like, oh, rescue me from the pile of monsters I've already murdered. That That's cute, kid. That's really cute. Well, then you have Percy Damien and says, well, why are you wearing that? Pointing to the Batman, the cape and cowl. She knows. She knows why he's wearing that, but she doesn't want to believe it. And you end up where Damien says, you know why. You know why I'm wearing this. And she's like, I don't believe you. And he says, that's fine because we're going to go check on things anyway. I want to go see you know, where he was when he died. I want to go see uh, maybe even the body. I don't know if he knows what exactly he's going to see, but he's going to the Batcave and he wants Talia to come. And uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I have the invisible jet on the roof. We're going to take that. And there's John in the background has a bit of Kite Man on it. And then they go off and they get to the cave. And we had already seen, if you're reading Deceased, you would already know that Jason Todd had buried Dick Grayson, Tim Drake and Bruce Wayne. And ended up giving them their own little gravestones uh, and carved some things into them. And the only thing that I didn't like of this is that when they're looking at these gravestones and it's like Dick Grayson, brother. And this is something we have seen if you read it. Dick Grayson, brother, Nightwing, the one who got to grow up. Bruce Wayne, father, mentor, bastard, Batman, Tim Drake, friend, Robin, the best of us. And this is where something where me and Eric, when we talked about the deceased and I think it was even in Kill Blinnett, whichever it was, we, you're kind of giving away their identity. But then we're thinking, well, does it matter now? They're dead. And also you'd have to be down in the Batcave to see this. But I don't like the idea that when you end up having Cass and John wondering who made the gravestones, you end up having Talia say Jason Todd. I wish it would have been, you know, Damien. He would know more than Talia what jason todd would be about my mind though she is you know has a connection with jason as well but i wish it was damien but you end up with the whole deal where john's there to say are you okay and then they're they're disturbed because you end up having john here and then see that somebody is in the cave and it's stephanie brown it's spoiler and she had shown up and and where this scene this scene is so good And it's just, it's so simply written. There's only a couple panels, but having Steph show up by herself and say, hey, Steph, uh, I was hoping to find Batman. It looks like I found him and goes over to Damien and hugs him and says, I'm so sorry. And Damien, the way the art is, he's surprised by this. He's surprised by the hug. He doesn't know what to do. He has a grimace on his face and says, it's okay. You're wearing a mask. I've got you. And he starts crying. He just starts crying. And Steph's there to say to him, you can say goodbye. And the tears are just coming out of of 
I'm talking about my eyes. Even now, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm crying again, and I, I don't understand it. What's going on? Uh, but yeah, you end up there with Talia. Hopefully, she, I think she's yelling at me, saying, your father made you soft. And again, this is a great moment where Talia says, you know, your father made you soft. And John freaks out, eyes glowing, says, excuse me. And then she says, I thought you had super hearing. Why do I have to repeat myself? And you do even have Cass say, I'm supposed to be a symbol of peace. I want to break your legs right now. They, they love Damien. The best, though, is Damien stops it because he says, stop it. My, my mom is upset, too. She loved Bruce. She's just doing this because she wants to start a fight to forget about it. So it's one of those things where Talia throws shade and Damien's there to see through that and know that his mom's hurting. And I think that scene is so well done from, from the point where Steph shows up and hugs Damien to when you end up having Damien say this nonsense, stop it. My mom's trying to start a fight. Don't, you know, don't egg her on with this. Don't let her do this. This is the way she works through things. It's nonsense. And plus, there is nothing here. Let's get the hell out. Let's go back to the fortress. I, I want to leave. And so you end up, though, while that's going on in, in kind of a very, very quick. I, I haven't seen a costume change this quick since Lady Gaga's last tour where you end up where that's going on. Steph slips away and grabs the Robin costume and comes out and says, hey there. Uh, I think that I want to be Robin for your Batman because Batman needs a robin and uh, we don't want you to just be this big muscly guy who's miserable and brooding you need a robin and that's me and then they're gonna go the problem is is that if you are reading dead planet i did not see stephanie brown so i am worried about her big time so we'll see how it goes but yeah that's the end of the issue i loved it i loved it and Again, it, it's a different kind of game to review something that is kind of a half issue most of the time than a regular print issue. But if it makes me cry and it makes me smile, and it, then I don't care if it's three pages. I don't care if it's 100. This story got me in the gut more than 99.9% .9 of everything I've been reading. And anything I've read in the past year, I think it is great. I think that everybody, if you're listening and you are kind of saying, well, you know, I'm not really liking a lot of books right now. I don't have a pull list. It's, you know, give this a try. And, and I'll tell you, this whole Hope at World's End is all pretty good quality to get all those that are 99 cents each. So I think they're worth it. But the, the thing is, I know, again, some people, they don't like digital, well, maybe just give this a shot and see if you do. Because a lot of times the digital books, they, they do offer a little different thing than what's normally going on. And again, some people sat there and said, well, I don't like mature titles, but then gave a black label title a try and love it. I hear a lot of that. And so, yeah, it's a different medium type deal that we're talking about going to, but it's really good. It's Tom Taylor at his best, I think. And I think that he plays it up so well, so well on this digital deal. So because of that, I, I'm going to shock the world. And boom goes the dynamite. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. So I'm done. I, I told Eric, if I give a 10 out of 10, can I finish up too? Because I'll be out of here. But 10 out of 10, straight up. I loved it. 
check it out. Uh, I'm going to go and pause a second for a little announcement, and then we'll be back then with Superman, Man of Tomorrow, number 11. Hey, everybody, I want to pause a second, maybe put some mood music on, to tell you about something you should have already heard about. But in case you have an audible, has a new Sandman audio drama you can listen to right now by going to audible.com slash the Sandman. Based on the best-selling DC graphic novels written by Neil Gaiman, it stars James McAvoy, a gem he is, as Morpheus, the Dream Lord, who has been held for decades by an occultist who was seeking to capture death in exchange for eternal life. Those occultists, they'll never learn, right? Once liberated, Morpheus begins a quest to regain his power, and that is just the start. Held by Los Angeles Times Magazine as, quote, the greatest epic in the history of comic books, The Sandman has an impressive cast, including, as I said, in the lead role, James McAvoy. I I love him. Did I mention that I love him? I think he's a gem. Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, lover. Taryn Egerton, Samantha Morton, B.B. Newworth, lover. Andy Serkis, gem. And Michael Sheen. Gaiman himself is narrating the Audible production, which is written and directed by Dirk Maggs, who not only worked on a number of Gaiman audio adaptations, including Neverwhere and Stardust, but has an awesome name that I want right now. I want to be known as Dirk Mags. From now on, anybody who talks to me, you address me as Dirk Mags. If you happen to see Dirk Mags, call him Jim. He won't know what you're talking about. The big thing about that, though, besides me loving Neverwhere and Stardust and actually having the Neverwhere adaptation, and I do, and it's funny because I'm getting this and I'm going through it, and I'm like, I think I still have that. And I went upstairs, and I do have it. It's on CD. I don't have a CD player, but I still have it. The big thing about that is that Neil Gaiman has gone on record as saying he would rather do no Sandman at all rather than do a bad Sandman adaptation. He has said that numerous times. So this is big that he's allowing this to happen, but also he's in it. He's narrating it, and I don't think that he would end up doing this unless he was behind it 100%. And if you haven't listened to an audio drama before... I could probably act one out right now with Guy Kid, but this isn't the time or place, but it'd be pretty cool, right? It's like a movie for your ears and includes all the sound effects that you would get in a movie or a play, things like that. And it has a full musical score, this one done by James Hannigan. And if you want to know, you know, how long is this? What's going on here? Well, the opening chapter is an hour long. And then most of the other 19 chapters that follow, this is a big production, are about 30 minutes long, uh, you know, getting a whole 20 chapters in all. It's pretty big. It is big. And if you want to listen to that, you can go off right now. You can listen to it now. It's available as we speak. I kind of want you to finish the podcast, but if you don't, the podcast really isn't going anywhere. It'll be there, but but so will the audio drama. So, you know, you have to pick and choose. Maybe just finish this, then go off. But it's at Audible, audible.com slash The Sandman. Go check it out and let me know what you think because I'm going to not only listen to it myself, but I ended up having Ruben, who is a huge Sandman fan, ask me if I would review this and i think i will be reviewing it either on this podcast on the spotlight podcast or possibly on our patreon account but i have told him that i will do it so i will let you know how it is as well but i'd like everyone to let me know first because that 
makes me have to work even less. But thanks, everybody, for listening to this. Remember, audible.com slash the Sandman. Now back to the podcast. All right, now I'm back, and I'm going to be talking about Superman Man of Tomorrow, number 11. And it's the return of Diddy. Written by Robert Van Diddy. Art by Galeeb Malinkoff. Colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Clayton Cowles. Is that the great Malinkoff? Is it? Could it be? You end up with this book, uh, the Superman Man of Tomorrow book, when when Diddy is on it. It's one of those things that I hear everybody go crazy. Oh, my God. It's the best thing ever. It's the greatest thing. Now, I do think that it's very good. I do think that a lot of times people are going a little bit overboard because a lot of people aren't enjoying what Brian Michael Bendis is giving us in the regular book. And because this is a digital book that ends up a digital that are lifted from the Walmart, you know, giant things coming to the digital where you end up almost with the, well, look at, well, look at Diddy. Look look at him. Look at Diddy. He could do all that in this little book that means nothing. Yet in the main thing, yes, I get it. I get it. This is a book that I do like the Superman more in these. I like it because you have the, you know, pretty much every issue, especially with Diddy, which is definitely getting on people's nerves by now. The idea that, you know, he ends up making sure that each issue will show you what is great about Superman. And and that is something that I think that should be. I mean, isn't that crazy that you have each issue showing you how great Superman is? I mean, yeah, who would have thunk it? But the problem I have with and the problem that some other people have is the idea that by the end of it, the stories just kind of seem not so important. They seem... You know, smaller than what's not And a lot of times they are just one shot type deals And overall, they're just kind of side tales So the idea of it being the greatest Superman book ever written That's a little bit too much But if you do want to go and read a Superman book And really also, if you want to convince somebody Of why they should like Superman And and if they don't know a ton about Superman if the, these are these issues are great to have to show them the characters in this, you end up getting Jimmy, Lois, Clark, Superman, and end up even Perry. They're they're not in it a ton, and the issue doesn't have a lot, but it always ends up showing you that eh, Superman. He's a pretty cool guy. He's always thinking of other people, and in this one, it even goes a step further. I think where he thinks more of the quote unquote villain than himself and things like that even though is great Gricus the undefeated Greg I mean really the the main thing that he's a villain of is his fashion sense and that name if you know what I mean he shows up you end up where it's a slow news day Lois is trying to figure out what's going on. I don't have anything to write about. I think I'm going to be writing. It's funny, too. (laughs) I'm going to be writing on this uh, piece about embezzlement at First Metro Credit Union. That is a pretty big story. I mean, somebody's committed some really bad crime there, but she's like riveting. And it almost gives you the idea that, oh, Lois, you, you have been spoiled in Metropolis. If there's not an alien invasion if Lex Luthor isn't out in his power armor, you really are bored, aren't you? 
Clark's just kind of, and I think that Clark's enjoying it. Clark's just sitting there like, thank God, that's the only news story we have. Well, they're trying to figure stuff out. They're trying to, you know, go. Jimmy is bouncing a ball around like a crazed lunatic. He's bouncing. Hey, Jimmy, get out of here. They, uh, I guess I'll go in the break room. He's trying to find a story. Perry wants to know where the stories are. And then all of a sudden, outside of the Daily Planet, they see a rocket ship. There's your story. And so you end up having Clark run off. And there's a running gag in these when when Diddy, I'm not going to hit it. Yes, I will. When Diddy shows up, the, the big thing is the idea of Clark always ruining his outfit he's in. And they have a budget for the clothes. And in this, Lois says, listen. Go off to my office, change there, put your you know clothes on my desk, and then go off. I will go in, I'll take them, we won't ruin that. And then Jimmy runs into him with a burrito full of hot sauce. It's funny. So, uh, poor Jimmy. Well, because of all this, with Clark running off, he's going to get into his Superman gear. And in the meantime, you're going to have Lois and Jimmy be able to tag along because this is an alien. Not exactly an alien invasion i like this i like what's going on here where you end up having this guy is he bad maybe not really gracus the undefeated is the champion of the galaxy he has fought so much he's like mike tyson back when mike tyson was mike tyson he just is beating everyone to the point where nobody else will fight him there's no reason to fight gracus you're gonna lose he's undefeated and he can't even get War World to join in. I mean, that's bad when War World won't get in. So he is one of those almost like an athlete. Maybe he's sticking around too long, but he's sticking around for that one last battle. And he once he lived his life as a warrior. Now, unfortunately, he has been genetically modified. He has been raised from birth to be this undefeated killing machine you know in these gladiatorial deals and he now doesn't have anything to do and so he's decided i want to go out the way you know that i live and that is either winning my next match and then retiring but his next match is his thousandth win he really wants to get to that people love their milestones (laughs) It's it's like uh, Eric at the regular thing He likes the milestones But you end up with this So he's like uh, Either I'll get that thousandth win Or I'll die I need to fight And I need to find somebody worthy of this fight I want this fight to be the, the best I want this to be the be all end all And I heard rumors that the sun, the last son of Krypton's on planet Earth With the yellow sun He would be quite the challenger so i challenge you superman i want to fight you whoever wins wins whatnot let's do this and superman being the good guy and this is where you have diddy not gonna hit it with the idea that okay i'll fight you but we got to take it outside the city and you end up having greg what then nobody will see the great epicness of the battle. And when I win, they won't be there to tell everybody. I mean, what are we doing? Oh, no, no, no. I'll bring a reporter and a photographer. Is that okay for you? Fine. And that, of course, is Lois and Jimmy. And they go outside of the city, and then they start fighting. And you do even have, you have Superman at one point. He's getting beat up, but then he kind of, you know, Wipes off his shoulder there. You end up having Gregus take it. And Greg, he's pretty tough. I mean, they are going 
toe-to-toe. And both of them are beating the crap out of each other. And you end up even, Krakus says, this battle is going to, it better last for days. This is, this has to be epic. This is so good. Let it be measured by days. It's my final conflict, all these things going on. And through all this, you find out then that Superman really is trying to help out Krikus. He does feel bad for him. This is a guy who only knows fighting. He's only been raised to do that. That's an awful way to live. That's an awful childhood that led into an awful adulthood. So Superman, by the end, does end up giving him a solid and pretends that he is knocked out, dead, whatnot. Now, there is one thing I do have to mention that in this there is a word bubble that's misplaced you end up having what i think is superman supposed to yell something that gregus does but that's fine and so when you go though you have gregus i'm not going to seed 1000 battles i'm going to do this beating the crap out of him you have jimmy's taking all the pictures lois is there to see this and then he ends up and it's like one of those huge like giant punches that ends up just boom it's actually the doom goes off and the, the smoke and the dirt. And as it clears, then you do end up seeing Gregus standing over Superman in what ha- is now, you know, pretty much a giant hole there from all this, a giant crater that he made by punching Superman into it. And it looks like Superman is dead. And you end up having Jimmy like, get up, get up, Superman. Gregus says, hey, he was the finest I ever fought. He represented his people with honor, both Kryptonians and Earthlings. Uh, there is nothing more. My time has ended. It, I ended it my way. And he just leaves. He ends up leaving. Now, the thing is, is that Lois is kind of like looking away and things like that. But she's that guy. She she knows that he's faking it. And that's the best. Jimmy has no idea. And uh, you end up Superman as the ship goes off. Is he gone? Jimmy, you, you were pretending. And he's like, well, it kind of. But boy, uh. It was tough. Lois is mad. She's like, why did you make us watch this? And, and the whole end, uh, you know, be all end all of this is they can't really report this anyway, because, you know, maybe Gregus would find out. Nah, I got to go back now again. Then Gregus could also find out that Superman's alive when he's doing things. But still, all this going on is pretty fun. But you end up where Jimmy wants to know, why would you lose on purpose? And Superman says, listen. All he ever had was masters who made him fight for sport, opponents who wanted to kill him in the ring. I have friends and loved ones, a city, a life. I won. I'm the winner here, not him. I I feel bad for him. And really, he really could punch. I mean, I was getting the crap kicked out of me, so I wasn't really pretending all the time. But it's one of those that you almost feel bad that Superman didn't end up stopping It's like, before you go, why don't you come and have dinner with us or something a little more? But that's kind of hashtag Gregus problems. But it is a nice thing where Superman does go. And in in a very kind of it is a clever way. End up with Venditti showing you that Superman cares for everyone, but also knows what's most important in his life. And it's very well done. I, I did like it. And then he says, anyway, it isn't Gregus's fault. He became what he was. He at least deserved to retire with dignity. He says, I hope that that's what I get to do. I get to go out on my own terms. And, uh, yeah, you end up where Jimmy's like, I guess we don't have a story. 
And I go, and they go, and too bad, you know, because Jimmy says, I took some really good photos. So then Superman's going, and he's like, ah, all right. Oh, my God. He's like, and he says, I took some really good shots. He's like, so did I. I'm, I'm in pain. Well, that, that's a nice story. What comes next is actually exciting, setting up the next issue, uh, is the idea that you have General Lane outside of Metropolis in a top-secret military installation, and we end up seeing the whole deal with Sergeant Corbin. We see Metallo. We see Metallo being uh, ready for action, being formed and going, and so that is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing. I love Metallo, so... To get a Metallo story, it says next, the weight of the world. We'll see what's going on. And I do dig me some Metallo. But overall, and for what this is, I'm going to give it. And I really like the art. I, I really I, I want to mention that. It actually reminds me at points of the art in the Jimmy Olsen book that just finished this week. I think that it has that look. It has a little bit of a Greg Capullo look at times. It's kind of an amalgam of a bunch of different looks that I really do like. I have only seen a couple things with Gleb Malikoff, and I've liked all of them, so I actually dig him. So you have all this. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I think that it's a issue that, again, if you want a quick, little superman book that's going to show you why superman is a great character a great guy if you have you know some i i would say i guess this would be about like you know 12 year old and up if they're getting into things and they want to have a superman story i think this is pretty cool yeah it gets a little bloody and stuff like that but not too much and really everybody's seen way worse than this right you know what i'm saying i have five kids my kids end up they're watching it and all that crazy stuff. Now, again, my kids are a little older now, but even when they were younger, they would sneak and watch crazy things. And that's because I was too busy podcasting and not paying attention. But that is the end of this little spotlight. I hope that you enjoyed this. And I hope that you see with me talking about two books, I mean, a, a 10 and a 9, th- this just shows and I don't hate everything. I don't, you know, go into things to try to hate. I, I've been accused of that this week. I've actually been accused of going into books to hate them. That is not true. That is not true at all. I want to love every book. And pretty much this podcast tonight, I did. So there. Take that, Twitter. Right? Take that, jerk. And boom goes the dynamite. Ah, yes. But as I go off here... I'm actually going to tell you what me and Eric are going to be talking about in the regular podcast that comes out every Sunday night and is a little bit longer than this podcast. We are going to be talking about Catwoman number 23. We're going to be talking about Justice League number 49, Metal Men number 8, a book that I really like and Eric likes even more, Nightwing number 72, and Teen Titans number 43. I think that's all of them. I said earlier on the Patreon, we ended up talking about Dark Knight's Death Metal number two and Strange Adventures number three. I might have said two, but I meant three. But now I said it right. Number three. And if you want to listen to those and get a ton of other shows, go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash weird science. Also, just a reminder, go to audible.com slash the Sandman to listen to the Sandman Audible, a drama starring one of my favorites, James McAvoy. Thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you later.